While the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know where for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Good morning. Um, I'm Joy Gonzalez, and I'm the campus pastor here at Uptown Church, and it is so good to see you. If I have not gotten a chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you after service over a cup of coffee, but we are so glad that you're here. Like Elizabeth said, whether you are watching online or you're tuning into the podcast later or you're just here in the room, we're so grateful for your presence. And today we're continuing the series we've been in for the last two weeks, What Makes You Happy? So I have a question for you, and I hope you'll commiserate a little bit with me here, but how many of you have ever got lost following the directions your GPS tells you to go in? Anybody? Okay, you're my people. Um, A few years ago, my husband and I moved back to Dallas, so I'm from Dallas, but when I was in high school, my parents took jobs in the Midwest, we moved away, I lived, met my husband in the Midwest, and then we came back about five years ago, and I was supposed to meet my husband one day to go check out a lovely apartment condo here in downtown on McKinney Avenue. So I typed in McKinney, and you know how GPSs are so smart now. They will just auto-populate where they think you're going, and, and most of the time they're right, you know? So I just trusted my GPS and went wherever it told me. And 30 minutes later, guess where I ended up? Not McKinney Avenue. Turns out there's a McKinney City 30 minutes north of here. And McKinney Avenue and the city of McKinney here in DFW are not close. (laughs) And I was so frustrated. And I think that sometimes that is how we feel about our journey to happiness. We are all on a quest for happiness. We're human. Every human since the dawn of time has been on a journey and quest to be happy, to live the good life. But sometimes the script that we've been given, the roadmap that we've been given on how to get there leads us somewhere that just isn't happy, right? It's like the great prophet Sheryl Crow said, and if you were here last week, you know, If it makes you so happy, why are you so sad? If we follow all the prompts we've been given on what makes for a good, happy life, then why do sometimes we find ourselves way off course and nowhere near happy, but rather empty? And the good news is we are not the first people to find ourselves in that space, to have done all the things we're supposed to do and not end up where we thought we would end up. And the great news is that Jesus has a lot to say about happiness. In fact, Jesus' first sermon when he comes on the world stage is about happiness. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount, and maybe you've heard it translated, blessed are those, or blessed is the person that. But the Greek word that we translate as blessed is actually happy. A better translation of that word is happy. And so Jesus comes to us to show us the way to God, and the first thing Jesus tells us is what what it means to truly be happy. Because that 
Friends, that's what we're after, right? We're not after some feeling, some emotion, like as in if I have a good day, then great, I'm happy. If I get that promotion at work or things work out, then I'm happy. But if I have a bad day, well, then I'm sad. No, Jesus came to show us the way to true, lasting happiness, what makes for the good life, the life where you can find lasting joy and peace and goodness no matter how the circumstances of your life go. And as we've kind of been on this journey and looked at the words of Jesus, some of the things that we've realized that true happiness tells us that goes against what many of us, the script many of us were given, is that one, there is no thing that can make you happy. It's not nothing, it's just no things can make you happy. That oftentimes we're told, hey, if you get stuff, if you get the right things, the right position, the right power, the right possessions, then you'll be happy. But Jesus tells us, no, it's actually having meaningful relationships in your life and people that make you happy. Loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And then the second command is like it or the same as, and that is loving others, being in relationship with others. So no thing makes you happy. It's a who or a collection of who's, not what's, that make you happy. And then last week, we talked about this idea um, that as long as you are all about you, you won't be happy. Because what's another hypothesis we're given on happiness is that if you acquire, consume, exercise, or better yourself, you will get to happiness. But we realize if you are the end goal of your life, if everything that comes to you is simply for you, you will never be happy because the happiest people are those people who find a way to give their life away. We're all made to not only take in, to inhale, but to exhale, to give away. And so you cannot acquire, consume, or exercise your way to happy. And no area of our life is that more true than what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. And that is the area of money. Because whether or not whatever you've been told about many, money, many of us believe that money will make us happy. I believe it. You believe it. We've all been told that money will make you happy, right? And when you hear somebody say money won't make you happy, especially someone like me, a, a preacher, you think like, yeah, yeah, sure, okay, great. But you don't really believe it. <laughs> we were like, you know, I'd like to try out that hypothesis. Like, give me all the money and I'll see. Like, I don't mind testing that out, right? Because we believe money will make us happy. And let me tell you, the conclusion today is not that money won't make you happy. That's not where we're going, and that's not what I want you to leave here thinking. Money does contribute to our happiness, but it's how we engage with money that makes all of the difference. And if we're happy with our money or if our money makes us more miserable. See, when many of us think about money contributing to our happiness, there's one word that typically comes to mind to define how money can contribute to our happiness, and it's this word, more. We all think if I had more money, I would be happy or I'd be more happy. Let me ask you a question, though, and no raising your hands or elbow bumps or any of that stuff. This is just mental exercise. 
how much money or how much more money would it take for you to be more happy or to be happier? How much more? What's the amount? Or let me ask it this way. How much more money would give you more peace, more peace of mind? How much money, whatever's going on in your life, how much money would it take for you to feel better about what's going on in your life? You know, my kids, they're kind of a mess, but I got a raise. Yay. You know, my marriage, eh. But this. And the answer, I, I would bet all my money, that your answer to that is the same as my answer to that question would be. And, and that's more. The answer to how much more money would make us happy is usually currently more than we have, right? And that doesn't, that doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or you feel like you are scraping by or somewhere in the middle. All of us typically answer that question, how much more with currently more than I have. But what if that's not the connection to happiness that, that Jesus talks about or really gets us there? That's the natural connection we all make. That's the connection we're told to make. But there's a different connector, a different M word, that if we latch onto this, it intersects with the contribution to happiness in our life. And that's this. It's not how much more would make you happy, but it's how you manage what you have. Rather than more, Jesus tells us that the word, the M word, that helps us intersect money and happiness in our life is management. Because as we'll see in just a minute, what Jesus says is it's not how much money you have, but it's about how you manage what you have that determines if you're happy or not. It's how you manage what you've been given that makes all the difference and if your money will make you happy or if your money will make you miserable. And, and Jesus talks about this and what he says is pretty shocking because basically he says this to a group of his disciples and to a first century crowd of people who would have told you none of us have enough money even for a little bit of peace of mind. So why would Jesus come on the scene and talk about it? Maybe you feel the same way, but he says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, Jesus uses really, really strong language here, a lot of hyperbole that gets the crowd's attention and gets our attention because there's not a lot we'll say we hate or love in life often, and we sure are not comfortable with the idea of like servants and masters. We don't live in the first century world. There's nothing that we feel like is like a master of our lives and until we get our bills and we pay property taxes and then we think, well, maybe. But Jesus uses this, this picture in a world in which this would have been their dynamic. And he understands it's a powerful image because Jesus is coming on the scene and telling people that God wants to be the Lord of your life. That the way to eternal life, the way to eternal joy, the way to happiness is by following Jesus. But you can't follow Jesus and live in this world in God's way and also 
be devoted to. And think about that word devoted to. That's a little bit easier for us, a little bit more palpable for us, is that idea of being devoted to. The idea of a strong attachment to something. And when you think of the things you're devoted to, you may not come up with money, but think about it. How do you make the decisions that you make in your life? What is a driver for the way in which you build and shape your life? When you're deciding to take a job or not take a job, what's the first question you have? How oftentimes it comes down to our money and our stuff, our provision, or the goals we have for our lives with our money. Oftentimes we don't come down, and I'm as guilty of this, and all of us I think are guilty of this. Instead of coming on our knees and saying, God, what is your will for me in my life? What, what would you have me do with this opportunity? Oftentimes our first thought is, okay, how is this going to play into the budget and the vision and the, the vacations and all the things we have set, right? And in that way, we may not say we love our money or we serve our money or our stuff, but it sure drives our life, doesn't it? And that's this idea Jesus is telling us, that to be devoted to something is to build your life around or let it lead the way in which your life goes. And at this point, I've already told you he's, Jesus is talking about money here because the whole sermon's about money. But the first hearers of Jesus' words here would not know yet what Jesus is talking about. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you'll despise the one and be devoted to the other. And this is where Jesus throws money into the picture. He says this, you cannot serve both God and money. And all of the people first hearing this would have, what? Wait, money? Because when you think of what is in opposition to serving God, you can't serve God and you think like, okay, what stands opposed to God? Okay, the devil. Okay, great, got it. Sin, yep. Jesus is going to tell us you can't serve God and serve and be a sinner, right? Or evil. What, what stands over and above and against God? Evil in the world, right? Surely that's what Jesus is going to say. But Jesus goes straight to money. Because he says, he understands that the chief competitor often for our affection and our devotion and for our life and our time is not Satan, not even sin, not even evil and injustice in the world. Jesus knows that the greatest competitor for our attention and devotion is the stuff that we have the stuff that we bring into our life and that we go after and acquire, consume, and get, right? And now, that feels a little harsh. We're like, man, Jesus, I was just coming to church today. I've only had one cup of coffee, and you got me with the money. But think about it. How many of you have been standing at the checkout line and they get you, right? You see something and this beautiful product, you're like, I've never seen that widget over there on the shelf right next to me. But within 30 seconds, you've gone from an awareness that it exists to what? I must have it. Whatever said widget is, I need it. Is that just me or does anyone 
fallen prey to the impulse by the thing that now sits in the corner of that room in your house. You're like, why? It was only four easy payments of $199.99. And now I'm stuck with that thing, you know? It sounds sometimes a little big when Jesus is talking about this, but we all do this day in and day out. And Jesus, because Jesus knows that. He knows we're tempted to give in to other things and let other things compete for God's attention in our life. It's natural to who we are. And it's what culture tells us we should do to be happy and to live the good whole life. We're told every single day, we open a magazine and we're told, you need this to be happy. You need to have, you need to get this to be happy. We're marketed to all day long. And so that's why Jesus brings it up. He says, the biggest thing that's going after your heart is not this list of other stuff, it's, it's your possessions, it's your net worth, it's your income, it's your possessions. Jesus goes on and he continues to talk um, to the crowd and, and flesh this out. We're going to look at that in just a minute. But he basically tells the crowd and he tells you and I today that how you handle your money, how you manage your finances makes all of the difference in your life. Because think about it, if you're on this quest to happiness, if you mismanage your money, Jesus knows something about money that we tend to forget about money. Ultimately, money can end up managing you. And when that's the case, we live in anxiety and fear of getting the next payment or the debt, the things that we owe on, the things that we have to figure out, the life we have to keep up with, the hustle, the struggle. And he knows the moment that happens, not only are we not following Jesus, but we are not happy. And you know where this devotion to things usually starts and comes up with? It's, it's usually this word right here, greed. Now, how many of you are greedy? Any self-identifiers? No. Okay, thank you, Elizabeth. You're a pastor. You have to say that. None of us are greedy, right? None of us. We think of like greedy people as like those Ponzi scheme people. They've got offshore accounts and they big yacht. You know, like everyone's greedy but us. But Jesus defines greed as this. The assumption that everything that comes to me is for my consumption is that basically everything that comes into my hands is just for me, and I can use it however I want to use it. He says, instead of seeing our stuff as something God gives us, we see it as something I earned, I got, and guess what? It's all mine. It's usually where this mismanagement begins to stir up in us. It's this subtle, like it's all for me. If it comes to me, it's for me. And then maybe you've heard this word before, and it's discontent, discontentment. It's you being unhappy with what you have because you are suddenly aware there's that widget over there that you now must have, or because you're aware of what others have. Have you, have you ever gotten that, like, catalog that comes to your house and you are perfectly happy until you open that 100 pages and you're like, well, my hair doesn't look like that. My home doesn't look like that. I don't have that. We witnessed this with my four-year-old son just a few weeks ago. We started asking him, today is his birthday. And we said, hey, Felix, what do you want for your birthday? 
he, kid you not, he went to his room and grabbed from one of his drawers a Target catalog. We had no idea he had the Target catalog, first off. And he lays it out and he says, all of it. <laughs> the kid doesn't even know what half of it is. Discontentment. It's natural to us. We see what others have and we begin to dis be discontent. Why don't I have that? Or we believe that marketing that we're told, I need that. And then both discontentment and greed, they get working really good in our lives. And then what do we come up with? It leads to this final word. You want to know if you're devoted to your money? Debt, right? Debt. Because, friends, we're Americans. We do not just stop with what we can buy today. We don't just spend the money we have in the bank. We spend the money that we just think is going to come from the tree, right? We will get someday. I mean, to care about how it's only spending what you have, that's like so 17th, 18th century, like old school. We, we don't even have to have the money to buy the things, right? And so we get ourselves into owing on something. And then you see where Jesus' words, masters and servants, really begins to make sense. You're like, oh, yeah, because I don't feel like I tell my paycheck anymore what to do. Somebody else is, is managing my finances. Discontentment, greed, and debt. When you think about those words, when you hear those words, do those equal happy to you? Do you feel happy? No. <laughs> we feel stressed. We're like, why did I come to church today? But this is where the concept of more comes into play and where it doesn't work for us and our lives. Because more money doesn't solve for any of these issues, does it? Having more money doesn't make us any less discontent. That's a, that's a place of our heart. Having more money doesn't make us any less greedy because greed isn't about how much you have. It's about how you view what you have, who it belongs to, debt, it doesn't matter how much money you have today, because what will you go out and oftentimes do? Get more. Add to more debt. So Jesus says, this is not the pathway, but this is the script that we're given. And so Jesus says, if you flip that script, if you're willing to really take Jesus up on his offer of what it means to follow him, to be truly happy, like to live the good life, the whole life, the life that has meaning, then you're going to manage your money, your stuff differently. And Jesus gives us this framework, and it's all throughout Scripture. It can be summed up in this generosity and wisdom. If you look at all the Scriptures, Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, if you look at what Jesus says about money, it can be summed up in this framework. Generosity and wisdom is how you need to approach and manage your stuff to be happy and the amazing thing is, think about it. Think of some of the happiest people you know. Like that person that you're like, how are they happy all of the time? They have had this and that and this and that happen in their life. And what is the common thread in many of their lives? They're generous and they're wise. When it comes to their stuff, they're generous. They, they have their hands open, not closed-fisted, and they use wisdom in engaging. So their money doesn't manage them. They manage their stuff, and they're happy. 
And if you've been around Uptown Church any amount of time, but we, when we talk about this concept of stewardship, of generosity and wisdom, there's three words that we use that flip this script to get us out of discontentment, greed, and debt. And it's this. Jesus says, you want to make your money make you happy? Then, then do this. Give first, save second, and then live on the rest you want your money to make you happy, you start telling your money where to go because you know what happens when you first get that money and you give it away. It's like you saying, money, you don't own me. I don't need to keep you. I can just give you away because I'm the boss of you. You're not the boss of me. Giving first relinquishes that grip of discontentment on our life. It doesn't let it take root because we say, money, mm-mm, no, no, no. There's something more that matters in my life than you. Go. You start directing your money where to go and telling it what to do. And then save. I mean, we know that having money in the bank gives us peace of mind, doesn't it? And Jesus knows that. He says that. And then living on the rest, living within our means. Usually we do the opposite, right? Discontentment, greed, debt gets us to live, save, and then give if we have any. But Jesus says, no, you, wanna, you want your money to make you happy? You want to know where intersection of happiness and money and stuff comes in? It's when you begin to manage your money, and it doesn't manage you. When you let God lead your life, and you begin to trust God with all of your life, even, even, and maybe most importantly, with the stuff that you have to where you're willing to give it away first, save second, and live on the rest. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that when we come into this place, God, when we come into church, that we can bring all of our lives to you, that there is nothing off the table, especially sometimes the topics that are hard for us to talk about. But God, we recognize in this time, in this moment, that God, you, you have made us and created us to be happy. And happiness and joy and peace are only found when you are the Lord of our lives, when we're following your leadership. So God, we pray today, especially when it comes to this issue of our stuff and money, God, that you would help us, God, to relinquish control, to be willing to trust you with all of our lives and not let our stuff, our money, our desire for it lead and guide us. God, help us to truly live the good, whole, healthy, and happy life. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit UptownChurchDallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.